Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29 of Peachtree Hoops Pod, where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chenard. I am here with Glenn Willis, uh, and we are speaking Sunday night after the Hawks debut at Las Vegas Summer League. Glenn, what did you think of the opener? I thought that was a good game. I, I had forgot to say this earlier on Twitter, but historically the first game, and this was the first game, um, are, are pretty bad. It's a weird environment, and it just takes, I think, everybody a little time to get used to. Um, but that was a really good game for a first game. I thought there was a lot of quality play on on both sides. The end was, you know, pretty messy for the Hawks. I'm sure we'll kind of get into a little bit of that. But um, but I thought it was a great opportunity to see Cooper and, and Jalen um, primarily. Um, but there were some other guys that I enjoyed watching today as well. Yeah, and that was – that, you know, that's a real Boston team uh, with a lot of NBA players, players that are going to be on their roster this season. That wasn't your usual cast of uh, wannabes and has-beens. Uh, that's, you know, some second-year, third-year guys, Smith and Pritchard and, you know, Edwards. I'm forgetting somebody. Who is Edward, that? Edward, Carson Edwards. Oh, yeah, Edwards. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, get guys that the Celtics were so close to trading for a superstar. This <laughs> is so long, Kevin. Um, Pritchard might start for them this year. I know. And actually, I, I, I thought, you know, you're going to look at the stats and, you you know, you'll see that Pritchard, I think, had a game-high 23 points. I thought Sharif Cooper was really good defensively on him. I think you'll, you'll see, if you watch the highlight clip, you'll see a, a couple of threes, one where he sagged too low. And it's like, no, you have to guard Pritchard from 26 feet. And there's another where Pritchard pushed off and made a three. But it felt like, you know, especially early on, uh, the ball was contained when he was on Pritchard. You know, he he really wasn't allowing any sort of dribble penetration. And I, th- I thought it kept Boston out of their offense. Yeah, it helped the Hawks get off to that start that was like, what, 10 nothing or something like that to get going. They were really tight. Um uh, defensive, they were switching a ton too. So yeah. there was a little bit there. Um, Pritchard was hunting the switches, you know, through, through like after the first quarter, pretty much uh, Hunter looking to get switched on to somebody besides Sharif, which is probably smart on his part. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, those, but those are kind of typical adjustment areas for a guy going from the college game where the obviously the line shorter and the spacing's differently, and you don't see guys that can shoot from that range every every game or even every week uh, on a schedule. So um, where Pritchard was able to kind of get some work done against him, it was the areas where you expect for 
um, Cooper to need a little time to adjust to, you know, how far out on the court, like to your point, he needs to pick up, you know, a guy who can shoot um, with such range like that and stuff. So, but yeah, I thought defensively he, he was sound and good. Um, even though they relied on a lot of switching. It was, it was interesting to watch because both teams switched yeah, basically both. the whole game. And uh, part of that, I wonder, is that neither team really put a rim protector on the floor ever. You know, right. not, not a real one at all. Um, so that was just kind of interesting. It'll, it'll be interesting to see if we see more of that. Eric Moreland didn't play today. He's a little bit more stout, kind of an interior presence. So, you know, game two against Indiana, which is, I think, Tuesday. We'll see if Moreland plays, and if he does, We'll see if they go to a more traditional defensive scheme. But for today, I thought the switching made a lot of sense for both teams because, like I said, no, no, no they both played without rim protectors today for the most part. Well, when when the Hawks want to put a legit six eleven guy in to defend the rim, they could put Matt Hill in. They could, yeah, <laughs> they could, and he could probably he could probably uh, you know at least get them organized and and all that sort of stuff. But but I mean, Eric Moreland played serious minutes on a pretty on a semi-serious Pistons team understanding Gundy like what four years ago as the as the de facto backup center all year long for some reason I saw him play like live four times that year I don't remember all the where I caught him but he just was just super steady even then um you know he's had a kind of a hard time finding his way back into the league since then could be that he's just making more money in Europe I'd have to go look that up because he's that kind of he's that good of a player um, but I have no idea, you know, why he didn't play today. The Hawks played nine players, I noticed, today. <laughs> it makes me recall back to, like, when before the coaching change and Bud was still running things and the Bud assistant, they play like, 14 guys <laughs> in every single game. Um, you know, but today they stuck with nine, and they played without a protector the whole game and relied on switching and kind of good team um, coordination and structure on that end and until the Celtics – uh, I don't know if they got lucky or just made timely shots, depending on how you're looking at it. But you know, their their perimeter shots fell in the last couple minutes of the game. That that really made the difference. But except for Skyler being late to get out on the corner, on I'm trying to remember who made that shot. Now that was Romeo Langford. He's another he's another experienced kind of summer league veteran and pro veteran. But when Langford made that corner three, they, they had a little trouble getting matched up there in transition, but that was coming off that, that rough turnover. So, um, but all in all, I thought, I thought it was good, good work uh, by the Hawks for the most part, just unfortunate for them when the turnovers came. And at the same time, that's when the Celtics made a couple of three point shots that helped them get the win. Yeah. And selfishly, I'm very glad that the Hawks only played nine players and that this was a game where, uh, and I hope this holds up for all two weeks or however long we have to do this. But, uh, you know, it, it was the A players in the game at the end. <laughs> right. And not just empty the bench and we don't give a crap who wins. That There was an actual ending. They were calling timeouts to run plays. Well, mostly. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, you know, it was clearly a game that, that you know, it was the first game and, uh, it wasn't just empty the benches in the fourth quarter, which I appreciated because that that makes that makes for a rough viewing experience. But to to backtrack, uh, you know, when you started off, you talked about how you know the the lack of room protectors and that both teams were essentially uh, just out there to you know playing switching defenses, which especially from Boston, uh, I guess that's not a shock. Uh, 
you know, with somebody like Grant Williams, who is, <laughs> I think did he just become like vice president of the players association or something like that. Yeah. But I don't, I don't, he, I don't think it's, I don't think it's quite vice president, but he's on the, he's on the board on the board. Yeah. Okay. All right. But you know, that, that's kind of some stuff that they do, but um, sidetrack from my main question, which is, we got to see Jalen Johnson against the switching defense and, you know, the Hawks wanted to hunt some mismatches and it seemed like, uh, you know, they were more than happy with him on someone smaller. Yeah, they were. And he and uh, Sharif Cooper were running that one four, you know, middle ball screen to kind of get those switches and attack them. Sometimes Sharif would go at um, the big um and it, but he got some shots at the rim to Paul in the second quarter. Um, but then Johnson was happy to kind of get down into the post too. And I think what I was most pleased with about Jalen Johnson's game today was how um, eager he was to kind of pass the ball out of the mid post. He made some, exactly. I thought, some nice passes there. Smart decision making. You know, saw, seems like he saw the whole floor, which is great for uh, you know a one and done player that didn't even get a whole year of you know, college uh, season in and such to be that uh, aware of the whole entire offensive half court when he's working you know, with his back to most of the, you know, other players um, was really good. He had five turnovers, but I thought, well, I think two of them were offensive fouls where he just has to learn what the t- technique is that NBA officials are looking for. Yeah. I don't um, think they were passing turnovers. There was like a, there was one where he like traveled. Right. You know, I, the passing looked very clean. Like you know, very that, clean. that was uh, certainly a high point. You know, you could, it's not hard to envision uh, someone like that playing with Trey. And it's, it's kind of an element that they don't really have. I mean, you get some of that with Gallo, but it's obviously different with the, with the athleticism that he can just be patient. And if the help comes, he's, you know, he doesn't seem to force it. He's just like, yep, here's where the pass goes. I'll, I'll make that pass. And then if it's just, you know, they're going to leave him one-on-one with somebody smaller, he looks really comfortable just, you know, back down, back down, patient, patient, and then just rise and shoot and be more than competent with it. Yeah, and with Gallo, you know, he's made his money in the league as a shooter. I mean, so that's sort of how the first thing he's going to assess is whether he's able to generate a quality shot. Johnson just seemed – really patient for a guy his age and of his experience level. He right. hit the ball. First, he'd look at what's available, you know, for a teammate, it seemed like, and then unless he just had a serious mismatch, and then he'd kind of turn the corner pretty quickly and go. But he always seemed to be aware of who he had defending him, whether the advantage was there to attack uh, kind of with a spin move and getting close towards the rim or whether, you know, he should um, kind of uh, look at the way his teammates were moving and cutting and, and all that sort of stuff. So I, it surprised me, frankly, like how um, kind of um, just calm and collected he was and how the speed of the game didn't seem too much for him at all from the very fir- first few possessions. So the passing was great. And I think you're right that he, he looks like a guy that can develop into a, a short roll game to help when Trey's getting trapped. You know, obviously, other parts of his game have to come along and he has to earn his way into – playing time, you know, and all that sort of stuff. But today was just, I, I thought, a phenomenal start. And just like the some of the mistakes that Sharif made on defense were just natural adjustment areas. Well, same for Jalen Johnson. The way that they officiate traveling on the catch and go in the NBA is like any minor little tiny, you know, um, kind of uh, movement at all before you put the ball in the court. That's just 
that's just an adjustment in the way that the NBA game is officiated. And also the, the one charge he had was, you know, he got the arm extended. He'll learn to keep that arm um, closer to his own body and kind of um, use the specific technique to kind of avoid that. So great, tremendous passing, 20 points, 10 rebounds, a couple assists. And I thought, you know, both he and Cooper could add more assists if, um, you know, teammates were able to kind of get shots at the rim to go down uh, on a few occasions where, where those were missed. Yeah. Um, I lost my train of thought. I had, I had something that I wanted to add about the offense, but maybe not. And certainly we could, we could talk about the defense too. Uh, you know, one, one thing that I was encouraged by was seeing him sort of X out on the perimeter. Uh, yep. You know, the, the, the Solomon Hill special that, that, you know, he's does so well, you know, you got, two on two on the weak side and then you need a help defender at the rim. So suddenly it's two on one and you're out there by yourself. You know, I, I, I saw Johnson, you know, make that read. And when the ball went out to the, to the corner, he was, uh, he reacted quickly and got out there and he had to sell out to contest the shot. But, but he did, you know, he's sort of out of position after a shot fake, but he, he contested the shot and, you know, didn't give up that open three and, you know, just seeing him make that read was encouraging. Yeah. And, you know, a little kind of getting into nuance here about how summer league roster building works. You know, you saw um, – most Hawks fans probably don't really know who he is yet, but uh, Devon Akun Purcell out there, really sound on the wing. Uh, also, you know, gapping two shooters on the side when, you know, the other defender on that side of the court had to go help with the rim and Xing out and closing out and things like that. And – you know, when you look at the way that NBA teams try to bring someone in to sort of mentor a guy like Jalen Johnson, Cooper Cell is super experienced professionally from Europe. Um, you know, I've been watching him in summer league for like, I think at least four, four years. And he's been a guy that I've enjoyed seeing the progression year over year over year. So I was kind of thrilled to see him may have the oxygen. He's 28. So it's, you know, it's unlikely that he's ever going to, um, get a real contract in the NBA. I, I'm sure, I'm sure he still has that aspiration and you never know, but he's a guy that um, I have no doubt that at practice and in game prep, he is right there with Damon Johnson kind of hitting all those points of emphasis and going out there and demonstrating what it's like to play professionally on the defensive end of the court and pay attention to detail. Um, you know, he, he, I, he was really good today, but he's, probably one of the more accomplished when I mean, you consider European plays well, you know, Cooper sells one of the more accomplished players on the Hawks roster in terms of just having a ton of experience in professional setting and stuff. So good, good job to kind of get a guy like him on the, on the team to, to help Jalen. And you could see, you know, Jalen was doing you know, a lot of the stuff that you saw Cooper sell doing today, which, which is um, satisfying to kind of see that manifest in, in the regular scheme. Yeah. And Jalen Johnson was, you know, kind of glowing after the game. <laughs> I think he's just kind of relieved to, but also just joyed. You know, he could tell he enjoys basketball. And he said something to the effect of, you know, he he pulled an assistant coach to the side saying that he wanted to, you know, spend some time going over film before the next game uh, to figure out what he what he's doing well, what he can do better. Um, but, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of rest. I mean, he looked, he he, he you know, for for somebody who really hadn't gotten an organized five on five game since February, he looked more than comfortable. 
Yeah, I I just was really impressed with him on both ends of the court. He had that nice kind of chase down uh, block, um, you know, and I think that was the third third quarter. Uh, Admiral Schofield set him up for that well, so I mean, Admiral deserves yeah. some some credit for mm-hmm. kind of helping set that play up. And you know, I I was thinking all along that um, Schofield was their best um, defensive anchor the whole game. He didn't score at all, but I think he had seven rebounds, four assists, just moved the ball well. He's he's pretty professional guy too. He's just he's kind of a center that's six five, <laughs> right. Right. Uh, you know. So yeah. that, that's part of the no rim protector, you know, aspect there. Um, but he was they. I thought they played their best defense when he was on there. And sure enough, Matt Hill went to him with I think about two and a half minutes to go. He did make the switch and got um, Schofield back out there. Unfortunately yeah. for the Hawks, that's what that just happens to be when the Celtics generated three point shots that they made. Um, but but yeah, you know, a lot of a lot of good stuff today. Um, you know, I thought E.B. Watson was good in his minutes. You know, made impact on both ends of the court. Um, I'll say he's an uh, undrafted rookie out of Dayton, but I have to say he played at Michigan. Your Brad, Brad will get mad at us if we don't give that shout out there. <laughs> and then, and then uh, in the second quarter, where the Hawks were kind of floundering offensively, especially with Sharif and Jalen off, uh, Max Hedegger was was really good. You know, today, t- today too, kind of helping create some offense there in the second quarter. So um, th- this team's going to win some games. I thought today uh, the loss basically came down to execution late and just, you know, um, having a more experienced team out there, you know, that they were facing in this first game. They'll they'll handle the inbounds play better. They'll handle late situation better kind of as the week goes on, I would expect. Um, but some, some really good play today. Uh one of the things that I always said about DeAndre Bembry was that he just kind of prowled the court. Like he just moved effortlessly and, you know, just kind of ate up ground. And, you know, unfortunately for Bembry is, you know, he wasn't a natural in terms of passing or, you know, handling the ball. And, and with Jalen Johnson, I, I feel a lot of the same way, but it's just different because he has – he has sort of a basketball feel to go with it. Yeah, and he um, played where Bibbury kind of grew at St. Joe's into, you know, being an initiator and a passer and creator there. Um, you know, Bibbury never got the ball handling to advance the way that he needed to to kind of play on the ball more right. and be trusted that way. And just the decision making, I think, was maybe a little even worse than the ball handling limitation that we had. Right. But but you know, Jalen played at higher levels as a prep, you know, sure. and has been kind of. You can see he's been in development environments and competitive environments where that stuff has to be there, or you're just not going to get a chance to ever play on the ball. So, um, yeah, he's kind of miles ahead. Uh, you know, which is kind of funny to think about because because of the draft position. <laughs> exactly, he was drafted I think one spot higher than Bimbry. Yeah, something um, like that. Yeah, and um, but I mean, when 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 you watched Jalen Johnson today, it felt like you were watching a no doubt lottery pick. You know yeah. that that was the level of play that he had, and you know, I you and I I made some jokes when we were in the run up to the draft about. Um, how little polish he showed at Duke and you never know what's going on in a situation 
you know, like that, you know, like Cam Reddish had a really rough year due to, you know, the spacing and all that stuff that's been well documented and talked about and stuff like that. But the amount of polish Jalen showed today just was way more um, than I expected. So that's that's really encouraging, you know, uh, for me. And I thought that he and Sharif shared the ball well. It wasn't like my turn, your turn. It, no. they, they worked well together. They ran a lot of that 1-4, and they ran a lot of that X, X action at the top of the key, and were just comfortable with each other. Um, and, I, you know, that's another thing I, I found to be encouraging, too, is just how – um, you know, neither one of them felt like they had to take over um, or, you know, kind of force things. If anything, Skyler, Skyler Mays was forcing a little bit, I, I think, today. Maybe that's natural for a guy who just got a restricted free agency tender on a two-way contract and, you know, he wants something better than that going into this season. So maybe a little understandable that he's kind of mentally forcing, might have been mentally forcing things a bit. But I thought, you know, despite the errors at the end, I thought Sharif and Jalen both were, Solid and composed the whole way. Yeah, with Mays and Cooper, yeah, I think there's a real contrasting style there. And this, you know, goes back all the way through, you know, Mays' first season, which is that he's kind of an uncanny finisher, uh, you know, when he gets near the rim. But in terms of how he gets to the rim, he can, it seems like he can never get there with one move. It's always, you know, uh, I'll try a move – I can't really, you know, get to where I want with that one move, but maybe if I get a little bit of an edge, I can try another move and then another move. And then maybe after three moves, I can kind of be somewhere near the rim and try something. And, you know, he's got incredible coordination and, and, you know, finish finishing for a small guy who's not terribly athletic. Like he just, he just has a knack for getting the ball to go in. Uh, But then, you know, Cooper is like a complete 180 from that. It's like, you know, when I watch Cooper play, it's it's like, okay, his first move, he's got an edge, and he can take that all the way to the rim, and he does a good job with his off-ball hand. Just, you know, the first move is really, really quick, and he gets the edge, and that's an edge that he can take all the way to the rim. But then he slows down a little bit so that he can survey the floor. He uses his off-ball hand to kind of keep the defender at bay while he surveys things. Uh, you know, but the thing that worries me with Cooper is – you know, he doesn't really have the finishing right. at the rim. And that's a little bit of a danger zone. And so then, you know, what does he do instead? Well, you know, he, he's pretty good at some off-foot layups. But, you know, a lot of times it comes down to he gets into the restricted area to pass. And, you know, he knows sort of where the offense is and where the pass is supposed to go. But, you know, it's different in the NBA. There are just a lot longer bodies, a lot longer arms. And if he's not careful, he's going to be a bit of a turnover machine. And, and those are the worst kind of turnovers because, you know, not only is it a live ball turnover for a run out, but, you know, he's under the rim, not in a good position to defend. And so those, those, those can be killers. And, and, you know, when he does connect the pass, they're great passes, but he's going to have to get a floater or he's going to have to get a little bit better at finishing so that he has better options when he gets trapped down there. Yeah. With with the kind of athletic skills he has, uh, you kind of mentioned that first step is blazing fast, and he can get a angle on probably just about anyone. That'd be a little different, you know, if he if and when he is playing against legitimate like starters, you know, um, you know, you know, we'll see how he does against I don't know, just like a Drew Holiday or someone like that. That you know, we'll right. see how how that step works in 
with that kind of matchup. Mm-hmm. But going back to Mays, Mays doesn't have that first step. He no. doesn't have that blazing speed. No. So he does a lot of start, stop, start, stop. Yep. You, you kind of mentioned that. And he reminds me, frankly, of Fred Van Vliet, the way that he attacks when he kind of is working towards the paint, towards the rim. Um, for whatever reason, it's weird to say, but Mays has uh, more – craft it seems like he just more he makes more shots in there and you know and we'll see uh, you know a greater sample size this year i would think um you know or just add to the sample size and see if that continues because van leet's you know his area where he's limited is finishing at the rim but what van leet has learned to do is seek the contact and get to the free throw line that's probably the path for cooper um, you know, I can't see him really finishing over or around kind of the big guys, but once he gets in there, if he can learn to start kind of manipulate defenders, especially, um, you know, some of the maybe less disciplined defenders, more foul prone defenders and things like that to know who sort of like Jayla did today, where he knew who was on him, kind of knew what was going on, on the floor where Sharif develops the ability to kind of know when he's, you know, attacking the paint uh, and running into a big defender that will foul, you know, in there, if you can kind of use a little bit of craft, whether it's a, you know, pump fake or, you know, or show the ball and pull it back or whatever it is. I think for me, that's the path I see for Cooper inside is learning how to get in there. And when maybe the passes passing options aren't there, learn how to draw contact and generally punch the free throw line. Yeah. And I, I was being critical of his passing you know from the restricted area but by and large his passing was terrific <laughs> like he yeah. had six assists and he should have had 13 or something like there were so many miss miss bunnies uh right and he you know w- when he was doing pick and roll passes you know before he got down low if, if there was a, a read to his role man and that was the right read you know he was making just some fantastic passes to the role man um so yeah. that looked really encouraging especially using the bounce pass it was he was really creative, you know, using the bounce pass to create some angles um, that where there were kind of natural, what we call chest passing angles or whatever. I thought maybe the most impressive play from Johnson today offensively was there was a time he got the ball um, around the free throw line and Schofield was trying to kind of find a way to cut um, to the rim. And Jalen stayed with them like on two or three moves by Schofield. It just wasn't rushed at all. Uh, and just, you know, stayed with it. And it never worked out that a passing angle developed, he didn't force the pass. Mm-hmm. But I was just super impressed that he saw that Schofield had an had the defender on his back. And now, again, Schofield's lack of height and length kind of played a factor there. But just Jalen staying with that play and then not forcing the pass and then actually moving on to the next option, that's, that's not, any, like, what I expected from him in first summer league game. That, that's not what I would have maybe expected him, you know, at any point this year, you know, that right. patience, that ability to know I can stay with this. And if it doesn't work out, I'm going to have another option to turn to when this um, either does or doesn't work out that I, I was impressed from a kind of a information processing standpoint and decision-making standpoint. I was, I think as impressed with that play as I was anything else he did today. Uh, is, is there, Anything else you want to add about today's game? At some point, we need to do a pod where we talk about Gorgie Jang and DeLon Wright, but today's not the day for that. We, we'll focus on this game. Anything else about this game that stands out to you? The only other thing is I thought Matt Hill should have called a timeout when they were down <laughs> the ball with eight-tenths right. of a second left. That turned into a disaster. 
Um, I thought he should have helped them kind of generate something on that possession, even if it's just kind of avoiding a turnover. So, you know, it, I mean, th- this is summer league for uh, co- coaches that are uh, kind of coming through the ranks too, getting some head coaching stuff. So it's totally fine. But I thought that the Hawks may have had a better chance, probably would have had a better chance of winning that game he'd used this last time out there instead of kind of um, having them go without the timeout. <clears throat> but that's, um, I think it's everything I had. All right. Well, uh, I don't have the summer league schedule memorized, but we'll have to do this again soon. And I appreciate you taking the time to do it today. My pleasure, Kevin. Good to chat with you. <laughs> have a good night. And you. <laughs>